We've had this sermon series, and as we've seen in it, change is inevitable. And really, that's kind of a, a ridiculous statement because let's face it, I mean, we're living in a changing world, so of course change is inevitable. But, you know, sadly, in the day in which we live, many times the changes are not for the better. Every day our world is taking a hit. Global warming, is it fact? Is it fiction? Depends on who you listen to. Pollution, we know it's a problem. Natural disasters are happening much more frequently than ever before. Our earth is facing extreme changes. Then on a personal level, it's easy to be overwhelmed by the extreme changes in the lives of people. Whether it's in their, their marriage or their finances or, or a physical situation. And it seems more dark and more hopeless than in any time that we've ever known. And so as a world, as a nation, as a people, in the difficulty of all the changes that are going on, everyone is looking for someone somewhere to give us some sort of advice and hope. And I don't know about you, but I sincerely doubt it's going to come from the Democratic presidential debates. Nothing against Democrats. Republicans don't have a clue either. It's not going to come from the mind or the mouths of men. And then it's at times like this where that adversary, the devil, loved to bombard us with, well, if there really is a God in heaven, why does he let things like this happen? And so as a Christian, you know, we can get bogged down in, in the difficulties of life. We can watch too much CNN or too much Fox News. We can read the newspapers and we just get bogged down. And, and from that perspective, it looks like a hopeless situation unless something supernatural happens. And when we can get our mind around that, that's when we can say just one touch from the master's hand will change it all. And I tell people that all the time because in my heart of hearts, I know that that's true. But if I was going to be completely honest and transparent with you this morning, I would have to confess that sometimes I don't always feel it. I know you think I'm perfect and I never uh, do anything wrong. And you have me up on this high pedestal. Jerry's down there on the front row going, no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but you see, sometimes I'm tired. Our electricity went out at 3.30 in the morning. And I didn't go back to sleep. And so sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes my faith is weak. Sometimes my mind is more overwhelmed with a person's situation than it is with the reality of that statement that one touch from the master's hand can change it all. But yet, I say it every time in one way or another. You see, friend, because just because I don't feel it at that moment does not mean that it's not true. One moment in the presence of God can change any situation. And what that means today is I want you to know don't give up. I know you've been waiting. I know you've been trying. I know you've read books. I know that you are grasping at straws, trying to find hope and trying to find answers. But Jesus Christ is the answer. And he says, one touch from my hand is all it takes. 
And I say to you today, let God's word be true in every man a liar. Because Jesus can touch your life today. He can reach into your situation and years of misery can be righted with one touch from the master's hand. I'm sure most of you remember that old telephone ad, reach out and touch someone. That's what God is telling us today. Reach out and touch me. Now, it's not always easy being being a pastor, being a minister. And the reason is because I know, I know that I don't have enough answers to solve all the problems and the hardships that's going on in all of your lives. And so I struggle with the inferiority of leading people. But it's Jesus who is the good shepherd who says, if you'll just reach out and touch me, I do have the answer for you to you. We spend all of our time telling everyone else. We tell Facebook, and we tell everyone that we can get on the phone, but we need to stop and stop telling everyone and tell Jesus that one moment in his presence will change it all. I've heard the phrase all my life that says, one moment of favor is better than a lifetime of labor. Anyone ever heard that? No? Well, good. I just made that up. I was just trying to see if anyone would... Uh, not true, not true. It's a phrase, that, and it's been associated with the book of Esther, which is a story of a lady that God used to save her people. Now, the Bible says that Esther was beautiful. The Bible says that she had the favor of God on her life, and she was invited into the king's palace to be a part of the king's virgins. Mordecai, her uncle, was a leader of the Jewish people at that time. And an advisor of the king was a guy named Haman, and he hated the Jews. Now, because of Haman's influence on the king, the entire Jewish nation was on the verge of being annihilated from the face of the earth. He had hatched a plan to wipe them out. So Mordecai told Esther, said, God has favored you and brought you into the kingdom. And he says in Esther 4.14, and who knows whether or not you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And so in risking her life to do so, Esther took the weight of an entire nation on her shoulders, believing that one moment of favor in the presence of the king would rewrite the entire history of her nation. And here's the thing, friend, it proved to be true. God redirected the curse on his people. The king's heart was won over, and now it was Haman the one who, it was, Haman, the one who was killed. And the entire Jewish nation was spared because one woman, one woman believed that all history can be rewritten with one touch of the master's hand. In Ezekiel chapter 47, there's a story of a river that flows from the Holy of Holies in the temple. And this river is synonymous with the presence of God. It says in, verse, in chapter 47, verse 2, he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, which is about 1,750 feet. And he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. And the waters came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. 
Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And verse 9 says, And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, meaning the salt water will turn to fresh water, and everything will live wherever the river grows. Verse 12 says, Along the riverbank, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Now notice with me, the further the river of God went from the temple, the wider it became and the deeper it became. And in verse 9, it says that everything the presence of God touches comes to life. Listen, friend, the presence of God cannot be in your life or in someone else's life and not bring life to it. Everywhere the river goes, he rewrites history. The dead come to life. The hopeless receive hope. The doubters receive faith. The broken receive healing. Wherever the river of God goes, it transforms everything and everyone it touches. And Ezekiel 48, verse 35 says, And the name of the city, talking about the city from where the river of God flows, shall be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. Those English words are the descriptive words for the Hebrew name of God, Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. We've heard about Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we have these different titles of God because they are synonymous with something that God did in the Bible. Well, Ezekiel says the reason we are going to call this city from where the river runs Jehovah Shammah is because it is a place where God is. And we need to understand wherever God is, wherever His presence is, there is life and there is healing and there is joy. And friend, you need to be reminded this morning that he is the God of there. Wherever there is in your life, wherever there is in your marriage, wherever there is in your situation, he is Jehovah Shammah, the God of right there. For the Hebrew children, he was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He was the God who was there. For Daniel, he was there in the lion's den. For those in the wilderness, he was an oasis in the middle of the desert. He was the God who was there with them in their trial. And I want you to know, he will be your Jehovah Shammah, the God who is here for you today. Amen. Friend, my prayer is that the hand of God, the river that flows from the holy place of God, would flow into this room this morning and take us over with a flood. But not just into this room, but into our very hearts. And not just for our own gain or our own benefit, but that we would be reminded that no matter what is happening out in this world, it does not have to be hopeless. No matter how broken it may feel right now, no matter how dark it may seem in your life right now, one touch from the Master's hand can change the course of your history. John chapter 14, verse number 8, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus responded, Dude, are you kidding? 
That was update translations. That might not be in some of your Bibles. Man, are you kidding me? Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, because wherever Jesus is, the same power that created the heavens and the earth by the power of the spoken word is there. Friends, the reality is that Jesus Christ is in this place right now. For two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. He is here right now. And so what that means is the real question is, do I believe in my heart that Jesus is in this place right now for me? Do I believe that? And if we can get over that hurdle, if we can get that into our heart and into our mind that his presence is here, Jesus will change our situation. One of the differences between American Christians and African Christians is that Africans believe that God wants to touch and change their situation. They anticipate that he is wanting to do something in their life. While we Americans, we have analysis paralysis. We think we're smarter than God. But God said, don't strategize it, don't analyze it, don't try to figure my ways out, just get into my presence because one moment in my presence, just like Esther in the presence of the king, can save a nation, can save a family, can heal your body, can save your life. There was an Athenian orator that wrote in the second century to Emperor Hadrian. And he said, these Christians, he said, they're crazy, man. He didn't say that. These Christians who know and trust their God are prepared for anything that comes their way. For they believe that no matter what happens to them in the future, their God will always be there. Friend, wherever there is for you, He has already promised to be there. And He is there before you ever step in to that there. Jesus promised in the Great Commission when he sent his followers to all nations, knowing that they would face trouble, knowing that they would face trials, knowing that change would come, and many of them would die to advance his message. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20, And surely I am with you always, not part-time, not sometime, not maybe so, not hope so. I am there with you always, even to the very end of the age. He says, I am Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there with you. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, we find Moses who's having a breakdown from analysis paralysis, from having to lead a stiff-necked people. That's God's words, not my words. That's what God called them. I would never be so rude as to call you stiff, I mean as to call them stiff-necked people. Moses cries out to God and he said, If I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And he says, Consider, remember God, this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
And Moses said something that I try to live my life by. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. God, if you're not going to go with me, don't send me. Don't let me leave the place of your presence. The context of this story is that the people, they were murmuring, they were complaining against Moses. And Moses is frustrated. And he tells God, remember, God, this is the, your nation. This is your people that you brought out. This wasn't my idea. It was your idea. You see, because Moses understood that, that God's people, they didn't stand a chance without the presence of God. They couldn't make it one day without the presence of God. So God reassured him, yes, yes I, will, I will go with you. And God says the same thing in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Throughout the Bible, you find people in the midst of difficult situations, in the midst of their crisis, and one touch, one encounter from God, one touch of the master's hand will change it all. So over in Mark chapter 6, most of you know the story. The 5,000 people had just been fed. Jesus sends the disciples on out to the other side in a boat, and he goes up into the mountain to pray. While the disciples are out on the water, a storm comes up. And right in the middle of the storm, Jesus comes walking on the water. Verse 48, the Word of God says, Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and notice, and would have passed them by. But the next verse says, they cried out. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an old song that says, how long has it been since you prayed the whole night long? Well, friend, how long has it been since we have cried out to God as if His presence in our situation was the only thing that mattered? How long has it been since you bowed your face humbly before Him because He was the only cure for your dilemma? Jesus would have passed them by had they not cried out. What a shame that there is a God in heaven waiting and wanting to release His power in our lives, and yet we don't come to Him with everything we have. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. But I don't think it's talking about a 30-second hallelujah, just bless me, Jesus, so I can consume it on myself. I'm talking about crying out to Him, getting serious in calling out to Him and getting His attention. Folks, let's not take the power of His presence for granted. I've talked to some people who are in the midst of facing difficult situations. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling right now. And you feel broken. 
But you have to remember, friend, that Romans 8.28 says that God uses all things for His good. And that means He uses hurting people. That means He uses broken people. You know, it takes broken soil to produce a crop. And broken clouds to produce rain. It takes broken grain to give bread. And broken bread to give strength. It was a broken alabaster jar that filled the room with the extravagant fragrance of love. And then it was the Apostle Peter weeping bitterly from his brokenness who returned to a greater power to serve the Lord than he ever had before. God redeems broken things, but it takes the invitation of his presence to come into that situation. God is not going to kick your door down. He stands at the door and knocks. Are you going to open the door and let him come in? One moment in the presence of the king will move us through the changes that we face in life. And we will grow in him. Now, where I'm going right now, my sermon sounds like it's my altar call. And I know you guys are going to just kind of freak out and look at your watch and think, oh my goodness, I get to watch the whole football game. Don't get your hopes up. This isn't the altar call. Today, my heart is burdened for two different kinds of people that are here this morning. There are people under the sound of my voice today who are distant from the presence of God because of sin in their life. For some reason, you're here, but you've never been a Christian. But then you may be here, and, and you've been a believer at one time or another, but you haven't really been close to God in a, in a long time. Come to church. Maybe you kind of go through the motions of religion, but you've never had that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, if you're not a Christian or if you're not following Christ as you should, I want you to know the hopelessness that you're feeling when you listen to the news or when you read the newspapers is because sin separates you from the life-changing presence of God. Because when you rest in Him, there is a peace about all the noise that goes on out there. Genesis 3.8 says, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But yet Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. How silly for us to hide from the presence of the Lord. But you see, sin will separate you from the presence of the Lord. David cried out to God in Psalm 51.11, Do not cast me away from your presence. Please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David said, I have sinned. You can have everything I have, but please don't take your presence away from me. For those of you who are here this morning who are away from God, for whatever reason, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is speaking strongly and profoundly to you today. And he's telling you that your entire past and your entire future could be altered if you would just come into his presence. And let him touch your life. Quit running. Quit running.
There's another group of people that my heart goes out to this morning, and they're the hopeless Christian. Now, I know those words shouldn't be used together. It's a paradox. They're opposites. Hopeless Christian. Because in all things, in Jesus we have hope. The hopeless Christian. These words should never be used together in the same sentence, but perhaps you're here today and and you've lost sight of the powerful working nature of God. Well, today, let me urge you, let Jesus help your unbelief. Because it will change your life. And maybe you're thinking, Mike, I've been believing that for so long. I've been praying that for so long. I've been crying out to God for so long. And nothing has happened. I understand. I understand because it's been so long, our, our, our hearts have begun to wonder if he's ever going to respond. We wonder, is, is he really even there? And we wonder, does he really even care? Sadly, because we've lost the sight of his love, his desire, and his willingness to be in our situation, we have put two words together that should never go together. Hopeless Christian. But today we need to rekindle our faith. And we need to realize and say, God, you are Jehovah Shammah in my life. You are in this fire with me. You are the God who is there. And like Esther, if I can just risk everything to get into your presence, just one touch can change it all. All the changes we face in this life, with all the things we go through, with all the difficulties we endure, sometimes we forget the truth. That just one moment can change it all. Sometimes we take that truth for granted because when God didn't work when and how He wanted Him to, then we just strategized ourselves. We took things under our own control. We tried to do it ourselves. But friend, let me assure you, our plan will never be as good as God's plan. And today we need to re-engage with the reality that He is the God who is in the middle of our situation. And if we'll do that, then we won't have to worry about tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Because we'll know that God is in control and He is involved in our situation and He is involved in every aspect of our lives. Because listen, here's the thing, friend. When you're a child of God, a born-again child of God, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we are promised that if we will just come before Him as a member of His body, we can have whatever we may ask, and we can have the very desires of our heart. But like I said, He's standing at the door knocking. He's not going to kick the door in. So we have to come into the presence of the King. We have to stop acting like people who aren't worthy to be in the King's company. No matter what your circumstances are, Jesus died for you so that you can be changed from a child of the devil into a born-again, blood-washed, fire-baptized child of Almighty God. And like Esther, your time has come. And when her time came, she went before the king and received everything that she dreamed. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to do the same. 
Whatever your life is like today, you may be sick, you may be broke, you may be discouraged, you may be beaten down, you may be lonely, whatever your situation, even if God has not answered you yet, get a hold of the reality that you are a child of the King and every promise in the book is yours. Cry out by faith, it's my turn. It's my time. I'm going to come into the presence of the king, believing that he will supply all of my needs. He will supply all of my healing. He will supply the answer to all of my situations according to his riches in glory. Because one moment in the presence of the Lord will change your history. For the title of this sermon series, I used a quote from John Maxwell. And he said, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. You know, God created us in his own image. And with that, the amazing ability to accomplish amazing things. And as a human, as the growth of human capability has been has, has increased, it's been incredible, the great strides in medicine and technology and engineering in so many other ways. And so all you have to do is just take a look around and you'll see the mind of, of man has accomplished astounding things. But I want you to know that, and this is what we have a hard time re remembering, even the mind of man has to bow at the feet of the master. You see, because the mind of man cannot heal a broken heart. The mind of man cannot heal the broken body. And it certainly cannot heal the broken soul. Real, meaningful, eternal growth comes from the touch of the Master's hand. You see, friend, the one who made you is also the one who can make you whole. But yet, we try so hard to do it our way. We try so hard to implement our ideas, our methods, our plans. So much so until God is only an afterthought, if a thought at all. But ladies and gentlemen, you were created for a relationship with your Creator. And when you have that relationship, that's when you're going to experience growth as we go through the changes of this life. Change is inevitable, but growth is certain when we fully put our trust in Him. So no matter what changes you're facing today, one moment in His presence can take care of it. One touch of the Master's hand can remedy your situation. Friend, if there's ever been a time that we need the Lord, it is right now. It is a time in which we live. This world is changing so rapidly, and we need Him at the helm to navigate these rough seas. There's a song entitled, I Need You Now, and, and the lyrics go, not a second or another minute, not an hour or another day. But at this moment, with my arms outstretched, I need you to make a way. Have you, have you, as you have done so many times before, through a window or an open door, Lord, I need you now.
And friend, that's the cry of my heart today. Lord, I need you right now. I pray it's the cry of the heart of everyone in this room. You see, because the pain, the suffering, the heartache, the difficulties, the dilemmas we face can be alleviated when we just call out the name of Jesus. One touch from the master's hand can change it all. As we saw earlier, the river that flowed from the temple represented the presence of God. Well, I want you to know, friend, that these altars in our church also represent the presence of God. You see, because they are a focal point, a meeting place between God and man. Now, of course, you don't have to be at an altar to be in His presence. But I do want you to know that it's a good place to start. Because these sacred benches have been dedicated, they've been set aside, and through the years thousands of people have received a touch from the Master's hand. Right here. You see, that's why we always call people up to the front. Because this is a place where people can encounter the presence of God. And I want you to know that God can stretch beyond the universe. He can break through the veil that separates heaven and earth, and He can reach into your heart. And like the finger that sends ripples through the pond, one moment, just one moment, and He can change yesterday, today, and forever in your life with the touch of His hand. One moment in the presence of God will change your history. It may not be the when, the how, or the way you thought it would be, but just one touch is all it takes and it'll never be the same. Now you're